You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode is brought to us by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy Labor Day to those of you in the United States. Uh, hopefully you are getting some time off of work, uh, maybe enjoying, I don't know, baseball or you know whatever you want to do at the end of summer. Um, and of course, this week we'll have three more podcasts today, Wednesday and Friday. So plenty of stuff to talk about. I want to start by talking a little bit about Mark Laurie. Uh, of course, one of the new minority owners in the Timberwolves. Lori and former uh, MLB superstar Alex Rodriguez are the new co-minority uh, owners. They own the largest minority stake in the Wolves at 20%. Mark Lori, of course, the tech billionaire, former uh, CEO of the e-commerce division at Walmart. He's uh, invented and sold, uh, or I guess maybe not invented, but been the, propri- the primary proprietor and, and seller of Jet.com and Diapers.com um, and has made billions um, doing just that as a tech billionaire. Um, and, and now he's giving an interview with it's Jace Frederick of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, it's really the most in-depth interview about what he intends to do as an owner, as an NBA owner. Um, we've talked a little bit about his background on the show before, the fact that he grew up, he was a big, uh, a big fan of sports. He ran track in college um, and wanted to be a sports owner. Uh, Lori and Alex Rodriguez got we're in the conversation to buy the New York Mets and in the major league baseball. Um, and now this is an opportunity for them in Minnesota. So he talks a little bit, the insight behind his management style, what's been important at the companies he's been at in the past, um, how important fairness is just a, a bunch of values that are really important for Lori and, and kind of gives us a window into how he and Rodriguez may manage the Timberwolves from, from the ownership suite. And of course they won't become majority owners until probably December of 2023. Um, they have an option to purchase another 20% in December of 22, which would make them 40% owners in the team, and then purchase another 20% to become 60% shareholders in the Wolves, and of course, then the majority shareholders in, by December of 2023. But uh, as far as we're concerned, based on everything that Glenn Taylor, the current and longtime majority owner of the Wolves, and that Lorian Enriquez has said publicly, is that they're going to be very involved over the next few months and years. And in this interview, I mean, by and large, Lori and Rodriguez have been fairly quiet until the past few weeks. And there's been a, a series of things, talked about a few of them here on the show. They met with some different players. They were in Las Vegas during Summer League and met with Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, others. Um, they've met with, I think recently, Russell and Torian Prince. Lori or Rodriguez met with them in Miami. Um, so just kind of getting to know some of the players. They've been around the Twin Cities. And now Lori's given this extensive interview with Jace Frederick at the Pioneer Press. And Jace, of course, does a fantastic job um, covering the team. But there's a couple of interesting things I wanted to call out. Uh, Lori talks about really just kind of how locked onto things he gets. And when he wants to, he wants to learn something, he's all in. 
Um, and he admits that he doesn't really know what he's doing in terms of owning a basketball team. And, and that feels like the sort of thing that you really don't know what you're doing until you do it. Um, which of course is why so many owners are not actually all that effective at, at what it is that they're doing. Um, but Lori appears to be somebody who's determined to be an exception to that rule. And obviously he's not only wealthy, but he's extremely bright. Um, and that comes through in this article. He talks a lot about, uh, about values. Um, and there's an acronym which can be pretty gimmicky at times, you know, in businesses in the corporate world, right? Uh, but, but this seems legitimate. And for somebody to rise as far as he's risen in such a short period of time, I mean, it has to be on some level, right? So he's got an acronym SPOTAKE. I think I'm pronouncing that right. S-P-O-T-A-K-E, SPOTAKE, that he uses in his hiring process. Stands for, he's trying to identify people who are smart, passionate, optimistic, tenacious, adaptable, kind, and empathetic. I, I mean, I feel like that kind of covers it, right? It's uh, granted he's taking up what what is that seven different qualities that he's looking for in people, but if you're going to pick seven qualities: smart, passionate, optimistic, tenacious, adaptable, kind, and empathetic. Um, I mean that that seems to cover it, right? I mean that's what you want in a hire. Um, and he talks a lot about fairness um, in really every level of his businesses and how important that is, and and that's an easy thing to say. But I don't know that it gets said enough. Um, and there's a, an interesting anecdote in here from Cheryl Reeve, of course, the Lynx coach and general manager, talking about having a conversation with Lori and Rodriguez, and they both admitted they didn't know much about the WNBA. Um, and then Lori recently sent Reeve a message saying, "Why?" This is a quote from Lori: "Why on earth are the WNBA salaries so low?" Is what he sent her. Um, so it shows a that he you know, he and Rodriguez weren't paying that close of attention to the WNBA previously, because of course those salaries have been egregiously low in comparison to the NBA. But the fact that he's saying that and realizing it, it, he's the kind of guy who you'd believe that he'd really kind of dig in and be like, oh man, we should do something about this. What can I, what can I do to change this? Um, and it's really cool that that's the type of thing he's, he's gonna, he's gonna notice. He goes on to, to talk in this article to, uh, to Jace over at the Pioneer Press about, um, about, wanting to invest in the, in the Twin Cities community, which is great, um, but also wanting to to make it a destination city. He, he doesn't want to hear the, hey, people aren't going to come to Minnesota. They're not going to come to Minneapolis, the Twin Cities as free agents. He wants, he thinks that culture and of course the non-winter months in Minneapolis are reasons why people would want to be in Minnesota. And of course, Minnesotans, if you're watching this and you live in Minnesota or have in my case, um, in the past, you know what Minnesota has to offer. And we also know all the things that people like to, you know, to, to say negatively about Minnesota and Lori's learning about that, but he's in his mind, if they can operate the Tim rules, like almost any other business that he's operated and understanding that it's not apples to apples. And that's an important thing for him to know because you can't walk in and operate an NBA team like you would a fortune 500 company or an e-commerce division of Walmart. It's going to be different, um, in so many ways from the actual day-to-day operation to your end goals. I guess the end goal is always revenue frankly, but also the, you know, the, the types of personnel you're dealing with and within basketball. I mean, as the owner, you have to interface with everyone from the players to the coaches, to the front office staff on both the basketball and business sides. Uh, you know, there's so many different moving pieces to it. And, and in a lot of ways, this next, you know, two plus years that Lori and Rodriguez have should be really beneficial. And he, Lori comes across in this article as somebody who's smart enough to know what he doesn't know. And that's, so much of the battle and, and really every every area of life, right? Um, not to get too philosophical, but to know what you don't know is super important. And Lori comes across as somebody who fits that bill. 
Um, he understands he's got a learning curve here. He's smart enough to know that. And I think he's also smart enough to get really good at this ownership thing in relatively short order. Um, so great article. If you head over to twincities.com, which is of course the St. Paul Pioneer Press and check out this article by Jace Frederick. It's a really long interview with with Mark Laurie and it's a fantastic read. So go check that out. Next, I want to get into this, uh, this Allen Iverson thing. And uh, well, I'll, I'll set it up here in a second, but basically what would have happened had the Timberwolves traded for Allen Iverson 15 years ago in 2006? Um, I think it's a really fascinating Timberwolves what if. So we're going to get into that here in just a second. First though, let's talk about our fantastic friends over at Sweatblock. There's a few things in life that are not fun to talk about. One of them is of course, excessive sweating. You know, when you're sweating through your shirts for no reason at all, it's absolutely embarrassing. Some of you might know, I personally have dealt with this. I mean, I think many people have public speaking. That's a big one. Um, just, you know, meetings in general interviews, if you're going on a first date, whatever, uh, I'm sure you'd rather not worry about it. And, uh, I certainly wouldn't. Well, don't want to worry about it. And that's why I use Sweatblock antiperspirant wipes. Sweatblock is stronger, more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime. You go to bed. The next morning you wake up, you wash, you go about your day, and you don't worry about sweat. Guaranteed. I know this sounds too good to be true. I literally only had to use Sweatblock once. I did this last week. I used it once, kept me dry the entire time, maybe two times a week. That's it. No more pitting out, no more picking your shirt based on which shirt hides sweat better. Uh, Sweatblock is doctor created and doctor recommended. Works for up to seven days per use. Dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Featured and tested on the Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. It's a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 reviews. Uh, it's manufactured in the USA. You can wear whatever you want to wear. It's your little secret to confidence. It's a must have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's a big presentation, a hot date, whatever it might be. Um, if someone you, if, if you or someone you love is dealing with this, Right now, you can go to uh, sweatblock.com, use the promo code locked on for 20% off. You can also get Sweatblock at Amazon or at CVS. But again, I'd recommend sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on for 20% off. Make sure that you do that today. Again, you could also pick it up at CVS or Amazon, uh, but sweatblock.com, promo code locked on. All right, uh, let's also talk about. Uh, let's see here. Who, who else are we talking about today? Let's also talk about Stat Hero. Um, if you're into daily fantasy, and uh, I think many people are these days, myself included, did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is it really that surprising? The game's rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. And honestly, you don't stand a chance until now. Introducing Stat Hero, it's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all, you have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups ahead of time. No one else does that. You're in total control. Stat Hero is DFS the way it was meant to be, one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free, and right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. All right, let's talk about Alan Everson and this really intriguing what if. So back in 2006, we know that Alan Everson was on the outs in Philadelphia. 76ers were ready to trade him. It was kind of a sad ending to a fantastic career for Alan Everson to that point in Philadelphia. Um, he had basically requested a trade. Philadelphia had said publicly, hey, we're going to trade him. And the Timberwolves, now let's set the stage for where the Wolves were. Winter of 2006, this is a year plus removed. So a full season and a few weeks removed from the Timberwolves Western Conference Finals appearance in 2004. Um, 
the 2004-2005 season, of course, was, uh, or I should say, sorry, this is actually two and a half seasons removed. So 0405 was the end of Cassell, Sam Cassell and Charles Spruwell in Minnesota. Saunders gets fired mid-season. Kevin McHale takes over. They, they actually finished with 44 wins, but missed the playoffs barely in a really difficult Western Conference. 0506 was Dwayne Casey's first year in Minnesota. Terrible season. They got 33 wins. This was, you know, they'd acquired Ricky Davis. Um, they, uh, the, some of the supporting cast was still there. This was after Cassell was traded. Marco Yarch was supposed to be the point guard. Uh, they make the trade midseason and land uh, a handful of Celtics, uh, you know, uh, Mark Blunt, Marcus Banks. Uh, Justin Reed, all those guys they got in the Zerbiak trade from the Boston Celtics. So Zerbiak gets traded away and that's a miserable season. Um, 05, 06, 33 wins. Now in 06, 07, two seasons and a few weeks removed from the Western Conference Finals. Kevin Garnett's still on the team. He's got a couple years left on his contract. Dwayne Casey's the coach after the 33 win season. Um, and the way that things started was pretty wishy-washy, uh, pretty mediocre, pretty run-of-the-mill, you know, 500 ish start to the season. And early in December, the Timberwolves are actually in Philadelphia taking on the Sixers. Uh, this is uh, December 3rd, 2006. And it's later that week when the clamoring comes louder that Iverson wants out of Philadelphia and that he's going to get out of Philadelphia. The Sixers are willing to trade him. At the time, the Wolves are six and nine. They're taking on the the five and 10 Philadelphia 76ers in Philadelphia. Garnett drops 15, 14, and six. Iverson in the loss against the Timberwolves has 26.7 assists, three steals. And, uh, you know, gets the free throw line 17 times in that game. And later that week, Iverson is pretty open about the idea that, of playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves, playing with Kevin Garnett, taking a run at the playoffs and hopefully uh, the finals. Remember, it was 2001 when Iverson took the Sixers to the finals. They'd been a pretty mediocre team in the Eastern Conference since then. Iverson just didn't have that much help around him. So this is looking like it could be the end of, you know, Garnett's still got two years left on his deal, but I mean, the Wolves hadn't made the playoffs in over two years. Iverson wants out of Philly. It makes, you know, the, the match kind of makes sense if the Wolves can figure out what to offer to acquire Iverson. The other places that Iverson talked about wanting to go uh, were the Denver Nuggets and the LA Clippers. Um, and this recently, by the way, the way the reason why this came up again is there was an article, uh, this was actually picked up by USA Today, um, an article that Bleacher Report wrote, basically just kind of bringing this interview back up again um, from several years ago. Billy King, the former Sixers general manager, of course, was in Brooklyn as well, or New Jersey, I guess, um, was on Adrian Wojnarowski's pod like five years ago and talked about the teams that uh, that Allen Iverson wanted to go to, the Clippers, the Wolves, the Nuggets. Um, he specifically said Minnesota to play with KG. So this was brought up again, and I, I decided to write about it at Dunky with Wolves. And I did a bit more research on this, and it's really fascinating. I, I had forgotten, and I remember at the time, like, hey, this would be sweet. I remember all the, you know, the photoshops of of the answer in a Timberwolves uniform, and how exciting that would be. But remember, this is a Timberwolves team that was thirty three and forty nine the previous season. The rest of the supporting cast was pretty bad. Um, I mean, look at the roster from that year. It's it's not great. Um, in fact, let's do this by. Uh, I'm just going to quick run down the names. We'll go by minutes played. Ricky Davis played the most minutes on that team. In uh, in 06, 07, followed by Garnett. Mark Blunt started 81 games for that team. Trenton Hassel was still on the team. Mike James was the big free agent signing that fall for the Wolves. Randy Foy was a rookie that year. Uh, Marco Yarich, of course, this was kind of his, I guess, uh, the end of his tenure in Minnesota. Troy Hudson was on the roster, but uh, you know, hurt as he often was. And then the end of the bench, Rashad McCants, young, really young Rashad McCants, Mark Madsen, Justin Reed. Um, so 
this was uh, not a good team. Now, of course, Garnett was still fantastic. Uh, Garnett was, what, was he 31 in this season? Make sure that that's correct. Uh, he was 30 during the season. So the back half of his prime, of course, had a lot of miles on his legs. The back half of Allen Iverson's prime, he was also 30, about to be 31. And the match would have been like a couple of old guys who had gotten close but no cigar with the teams that they'd been loyal to their whole careers. Could they team up and make a run at the playoffs? So there's a few different ways to look at this. And the way that I broke this down in my article at dunkingwithwolves.com is uh, basically how would they have gotten him, first of all? Who would they have had to give up to land Allen Iverson? What would the impact have been on the Timberwolves? How much better would they have been, truthfully? And also the impact on Kevin Garnett's career specifically. How does Garnett's career look differently? So first, let's cover uh, here the pieces the Wolves would have had to give up to land Allen Iverson. Now, they obviously weren't trading Kevin Garnett, right? Iverson was making $17 million that season, 17.1 to be exact. He had another two seasons, $40 million on the books. Without trading Garnett, the only other, con- or I should say the next biggest contract on the books for the Timberwolves that year is Mark Blunt. $7.2 million, Mark Blunt. Uh, he also had a couple years left on the deal. That's not an attractive contract or, or player, for that matter, for the Sixers to be wanting to pick up in a trade for Allen Iverson. So he's not going anywhere. The Sixers surely would have wanted to build any sort of a trade return package around Randy Foy, the rookie top, I think it was like the sixth pick that year. Um, so he would have been the centerpiece, but he's only making two two point four million dollars that year. So you piece this together. Mike James uh, would have needed. I think the Wolves needed to wait till mid December to trade him because he had been a free agent signing. So those guys combined are nearly eight million. You got to find another roughly nine to match. Maybe it's Ricky Davis um, would have been another six million. A couple other players. I think you could have gotten there from a salary match perspective, but it wouldn't have been easy. And also then you got to factor in, do the Sixers have the roster spots for those guys? Did they really want to acquire guys and cut them and eat the salary? Probably not. Um, but then you look at what Denver actually did give up when ultimately, and, it, and I, I, I don't think this is a spoiler, it happened like forever ago. Um, so Denver ends up landing, and I want to get back to, to the Wolves piece this in a second, but Denver ended up giving up uh, Andre Miller, Joe Smith, of course, a former Timberwolf, and a couple of first-round picks, two 2007 first-round picks to the Sixers for Allen Iverson. Now, Iverson also had two years left on his deal. Um, so this wasn't really a straight rental. Now, this is still 30, 31-year-old Allen Iverson. Andre Miller was a little bit younger. I think he was 28 or 29, so right in the middle of his prime. Um, but, I mean, he was still Andre Miller, right? Like, Andre, Andre Miller was a really good player probably one of the more underrated players of that generation. And certainly one of the most underrated players of that generation. You know, he's the straw that serves the drink. He's got to be probably your third or fourth best player, probably third best player on a really good team. So he's not like, he shouldn't have been the centerpiece of any deal. Joe Smith is a role player. Um, and then a couple of first round picks. So that return wasn't crazy. I got to think the Sixers would have preferred to have Randy Foy. Um, and, and maybe Mike James, if they wanted to be competitive in the moment, and maybe the Wolves would have had to give up three picks. I think it was just the challenge of the Wolves, the way that their roster was built, the way that Kevin McHale had built the roster, there weren't very many tradable assets at that point, at least no sizable contracts that could be traded that could be matched. Um, And they didn't have very many salaries expiring that year either. Uh, I mean, Mike James, I guess, I I think he expired. I believe that was a one-year deal, but there just wasn't much. Um, So that was really a roster building error on the part of McHale in the front office. Ultimately, the Sixers pulled this trade off and they won 35 games that season, 40 the following year and 41 the year after that. So they made the playoffs as a 40-win team in 07-08 and a 41-win team in 08-09. 
and lost in the first round. Andre Miller was one of the better players on that team. He left in free agency uh, following that season. So the Sixers were sure enough a below 500 mediocre squeak into the playoffs type team with, uh, after pulling this trade off. I'm not saying they would have done better with Randy Foy, but in the moment, you would have thought Foy had more upside than 29-year-old Andre Miller, at least as somebody who could lead a team. Um, so interesting that that didn't get done. And I believe Glenn Taylor was on record as saying that it was the salaries, you know, they couldn't make it work. I'm sure that was a big part of it. Uh, but in hindsight, I feel like the Timberwolves could have rivaled that package. To be clear, Andre Miller was was the best player that, you know, better than any player the Wolves could have offered, any single one player that the Wolves could have offered. But the overall, you know, the, the total, the sum of the parts of the package, I think that the Wolves could have offered should have been better or would have been better than ultimately what the Sixers accepted from the Denver Nuggets. Um, so what I want to do next is is talk about whether or not the Wolves would have made the playoffs with Allen Iverson. What do the next couple of years look like for the Wolves if if that trade goes through? And then also the the reality of Kevin Garnett's career if this trade had happened. You know, how does that look different? First, though, before we do that, let's talk about our friends at rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by our title sponsors, Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com, both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, to even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solutions your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, uh, let's uh, let's talk Allen Iverson here and the impact he would have had on the Wolves. Now, again, this is early 30s Iverson, early 30s Garnett. The Wolves at the time that he actually was traded, I think they were nine and 10 when this trade actually was consummated when he was moved from uh, Philadelphia to Denver. Do the Wolves make the playoffs if Everson's on the team? I think the answer is yes. They ended up finishing this season with uh, 32 wins. The eight, actually the seven and eight seeds in the Western Conference in 2007 finished with 42 wins. So Iverson would have had to have been 10 wins better with uh, roughly a quarter of the season gone already. So they would have needed to be 10 wins better over 75% of the season. I don't know that that happens that year. However, they're probably, they probably win 39, 40 games and they're on the cusp of the playoffs or the conversation. Dwayne Casey was fired 40 games into the season. The team was 20 and 20 when he was fired. If they trade for Iverson and they immediately see a bump, uh, somewhat of an improvement, Casey's probably not fired mid-season, almost certainly not fired mid-season, right? Um, Maybe he gets fired at the end of the season if they miss the playoffs, but maybe if they go 40 and 42 and miss it by a whisker, maybe he doesn't. Uh, and remember, Iverson and Garnett each had two years left on their respective deals. So the following year, they probably do make the playoffs. Even if Garnett's 31 and Iverson's 31 or 32, um, I think they're still a playoff team. And I don't think Garnett's traded that summer because what actually happened is Garnett was traded in the summer of 07 after Randy Whitman had taken over as head coach. Um and they finished the season 32 and 50. Casey was long gone. Iverson was in Denver. The Wolves end up trading Garnett. But I think what the ripple effect there is the Wolves would have been better. Casey's not fired. 
Garnett's not traded. Iverson and Garnett start the 07-08 season in Minnesota, and they probably win 45, 48, 50 games. I mean, Garnett wasn't washed at this point, right? I mean, he went on to win, I believe he he, he did win Defensive Player of the Year in Boston, obviously won a title and was arguably their best player that season, you know, uh, doing more of his damage defensively. He, He wasn't as relied upon offensively in Boston, of course, as he was in Minnesota, playing with Ray Allen and Paul Pierce. But um, the the trajectory then of that of those Wolves teams is so different. So you know maybe they do make the playoffs in 07, but you've also got 08 and you've got 09 where those guys are still under contract. So unless the Wolves panicked and traded one of them, you know, towards the tail end of their contracts, which is possible, you're looking at at least one more playoff berth, maybe two, possibly even three, maybe with Garnett and Iverson. And then now we're not sitting here today in 2021, September of 2021, saying that the Timberwolves have been to one playoff series. one They made the playoffs one time in the last 17 years. And if you're listening to this or watching this, you, you know that all too well, as Wolves fans do. Um, one playoff appearance in the last 17 years, they would have made, we would have been saying two, three, maybe even four playoff appearances in the last 17 years. And maybe Garnett even comes back. Maybe he doesn't request the trade or excuse me. He never formally requested the trade. Maybe he doesn't accept the idea of being traded as he did in the summer of 07 and the wolves don't hit the reset button. Um, now that spills into the next point, which is how does that change the trajectory of Garnett's career? I don't think Garnett wins his title. And maybe the Wolves still traded him. Maybe it would have been a year later. Maybe it would have been, maybe he leaves in free agency two years after that. Um, But he probably doesn't end up in Boston and he probably doesn't win a title just a year later. And it's 2008, um, his first year in Boston that he won the title with Ray Allen and Paul Pierce and that cast of characters with the Celtics. Um, You know, I... I would have felt awful. You know, it, it, I guess this revisionist history version of me feels awful with the idea that Garnett wouldn't have won a title. Selfishly, as a Timberwolves fan, it would have been a ton of fun to see Iverson and Garnett play together and, uh, you know, possibly make get past the first round of the playoffs for just the second time in Garnett's career and in Timberwolves franchise history, as crazy as that is. But if KG doesn't win a title, that 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 would be painful. Um, you know, Garnett, he obviously still would have made the Hall of Fame, but, you know, he, his legacy would have been different if he had never won a title. Um, again, selfishly, to have him in Timberwolves uniform for all of or maybe even more of his career, um, had he not been moved to Boston in summer of 07, that would have been great. But it just wouldn't have been right to strip the big ticket of his only title um, if he doesn't end up being traded to Boston. So if this thing happens, there's a little more Timberwolves team success. There's probably more Garnett in Minnesota in the, in the, you know, the tail end of his, the prime of his career. Um, that's, that's probably how it shakes out. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't really see any other, and what happened for Iverson, of course, is he went to Denver. They were mediocre for a year and a half or so. They end up trading him to, to Detroit for Chauncey Billups. And we all know what happened then is Billups and George Carl went to the, the conference finals together. That was a very different, you know, another former Timberwolf in, in Chauncey Billups. And then Iverson was basically done at that point. At that stage in Iverson's career, he was more washed than Garnett was. And since Iverson was not a good defender, uh, generally speaking, I mean, obviously he got a ton of steals, but he he wasn't an outstanding on-ball defender and he was fairly one-dimensional, especially at that stage of his career. He didn't have the impact as 32-year-old Garnett had on the Boston Celtics with his defensive prowess and his his uh, the way he played defensively. And, and both guys were old, both had tons of, you know, uh, tread that had come off the tires at that point. Um but Iverson just wasn't 
you know, 32-year-old Iverson was not as good as 32-year-old Kevin Garnett. There's no question about that. Um, and so Garnett went on to, of course, play fantastic in Boston and have a, you know, a couple you know, not so fantastic years at the tail end of his career with Brooklyn and then back in Minnesota. But Iverson was basically done at that point. Um, and it would have been a ton of fun to see them in Minnesota, but it, it's just so fascinating to me that, that it completely unwinds, um, you know, Garnett's title. It unwinds the, you know, it likely hands the Timberwolves franchise a couple of additional playoff appearances. Something that honestly I had really kind of forgotten about, but it all started coming back to me as I dug into this a little bit further. Um, so, Fascinating. If you want to check out the article, go to duckingwithwolves.com and it's over there. Uh, but a really, really fun what if to look at. All right. That's all we have for you today here on the show. Uh, of course, later this week, we'll talk more Timberwolves and uh, we'll have a show on Wednesday. Who knows? There will probably be more Ben Simmons news by then. Um, who knows how this thing is going to keep progressing? It seems like randomly there will be just kind of a burst of news and then nothing. So we're creeping closer, roughly three weeks, a little less than three weeks away from media day and training camps kicking off. Um, so we'll see if this thing comes ahead here shortly or not. Uh, but be sure to stay tuned. If you're not already following the podcast, you can do so anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can follow or subscribe anywhere. Uh, it's free and available really everywhere. Uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, of course, on YouTube as well. This is only week two on YouTube. So I think this is like the fourth full episode we've done on YouTube. So be sure to check that out. Also, by the way, uh, publishing, I think today um, is I was on Locked On Fantasy Basketball, that podcast with the fantastic Josh Lloyd and uh, did a Timberwolves preview from a fantasy perspective. So check that out and be sure to subscribe and follow Josh's uh, Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast as well. So um I, otherwise that's, oh, and also on Twitter at locked on T wolves. Don't forget the T and at B beacon is my account. You'll see it right below, uh, at B beacon with two B's, two E's C K E N. That's all we have for you today. A reminder that the title sponsor of the program is rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that locked on sent you. That's all we have for you today. Lockdown wolves is of course, part of the lockdown podcast. Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Uh, once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.